This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 59 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people from every aspect of the hospitality industry, from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder of the Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And she was the guest on the episode right before this, so make sure that you go back and listen to it. You can learn more about her work, her new album that she just dropped, The Whole Nine Yards. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating, a review, whatever else. It always helps other folks discover it as well. Spread the good word and go to TheBestSeats.com for more content just like this. And as a final reminder, don't forget, you could have had ad-free early access by going to Patreon.com forward slash TheBestSeats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. Maybe you're doing that already. But regardless of where and how you're listening to it, let's talk episode 59 Two guests, two good friends, two extremely talented individuals, especially when it comes to cocktails and all things tasty in a glass. My friend Rich Manning and Ravin Bazell. Now, both of these guys are extremely talented when it comes to all things around the bar. However, they are extremely talented on either side of the bar. Rich is a writer. He's been one in the area for a long time. He's someone who uh, I looked at as a mentor when we first met. He's someone I'm very, very proud now to call a friend. He knows his way around bars, the industry navigating he can pretty much whatever city you tell him you're going to he knows somebody in that town he knows a place with bar stool that you need to grab or go to friends in every single city he is the definition of kindness a wonderful human being and like i said a writer and a very very proficient one as you'll hear in his introduction once you get to the episode in a couple of minutes he writes for a lot of different people he's talented he knows what he's talking about and on the other side of the bar is one of the people he writes about the most, Ravin Bazell. He is a bartender who's been in the area for a while, as you will also hear in his introduction. He is extremely well-traveled, well-versed, and he makes a damn fine drink. Now, why two guests who do similar things as far as kind of what they write about and what they work in, but very different, obviously, on what side of the bar they are on? Well, that's because now that things are open, I thought it would be great to sit down with two friends of mine and talk about what it's been like to get back to things. Now, a lot of the past episodes have been getting back to restaurants and things of that nature, but we need to talk about bars and properly sitting down to have a drink and what that means in kind of this tail end of COVID, even though it seems to be dragging on, but the tail end of this pandemic as we start to hopefully continue to fight our way towards the end of it. What has it been like to go back out and get a drink? What is it like to be making drinks? All of these things we're gonna talk about, but one of the biggest topics and one of the reasons I wanted to get these guys together is there's actually a new project in the works. Now, I'll wait for you to listen to the episode to kind of understand what that really means, but there's a reason that both of these guys come together. And it's not just because they're friends. It's not just because they're both wildly talented. All those things are true. 
It's also because I want them to spread the good word of drinks and drinks culture with you, but also give you the very first preview of a little project that the three of us will be working on. Now, in the episode, there are moments where we didn't know at the time of the recording um, what details for this new project we were going to be able to share. Uh, there haven't been any further updates as far as branding at the time of this recording intro. There may have been again at some point, if there are any more prudent details, I will cut in and add an edit towards the end of the show, uh, or wherever it's appropriate. I know we have them, uh, noted when we were recording sitting down, so you can look out for that. But in the meantime, let's not waste any more time. This is a great episode and a fun one. Let's get to episode 59 of the best seats podcast featuring my friend, Rich Manning and Ruben Bazell. Enjoy. Boys, super happy to sit down. Been looking forward to this one for a while. I was very grateful that we were able to find the time to get both of you guys together. You were people that I wanted to have on the show, but the fact that we get to do this as a unit is a lot of fun for me. Before we dive into any of the topics though, and all the different things that we wanna talk about and some very, very cool and exclusive things that we wanna premiere on this episode, would you each mind introducing yourselves and giving a little bit of your background? Rich, why don't we start with you? Sure. Thanks, Crawford. My name is Rich Manning, and I am a, a freelance a food and drink author. Uh, I've been uh, working in the food and drink industry for about uh, 15 years now. And uh, some of the places I write for include uh, Liquor.com, Vine Pear, uh, Artisan Spirit, uh, Tasting Panel, Psalm Journal. Um, and I think I just published something recently for Orange Coast. So uh, I cover food in, in uh, restaurants for uh, Gaio as well, the Orange County scene. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Very established. Ruben? Uh, I am a 20-plus year bartender, uh, 15, 16, 17-plus eh, consultant in the bar industry. So just a well-traveled bartender who got into the craft world when I moved out to California about five and a half years ago. Raven, before we jump into a lot of the other topics that we've got, because there's topics that include all three of us that I am very, very excited to talk about. I want to talk to you first off, because you are you work on the side of the bar that we love to sit on the other side of making drinks and actually creating a lot of things. I would think most people in Orange County, if they're listening to this, have either had your cocktails or they've been at a bar where your cocktails are on the menu or an event or something like that. We are recording this you know, first or second week of August, depending on when people are hearing this episode. What's it been like for you to, A, kind of get back behind the bar, but now that things have really reopened these past three, four months, you know, what's it kind of been like to really kind of get back and after it summertime in Orange County? Uh, I mean, actually, to be honest, going back to work at first was a little rough because I, you know, I make a lot of drinks off the cuff, like just based on what people, you know, request and their flavor profiles and things like that, because I just ask very specific questions. But um, like it took me couple weeks to get back in the niche like back in the back in the groove to where I wasn't blanking out when they tell me their flavor profiles <laughs> where are you bartending at these days so currently I'm at in at the mission in San Juan Capistrano working in the the main restaurant bar called Isadora if no one has been down there please go down there it's a beautiful property brand new in San Juan and with everything else gorgeous. down there you cannot yeah. do better uh, Rich, I want to ask you the same thing, but from the other perspective, what's it been like? You know, you and I are, are very good friends, drinking yes. friends, bar buddies. What's it been like to get back out and start to be able to sit down at a bar stool again and, and sit and see friends? Uh, very cathartic. Uh, it's been great to be able to sit down because um, 
when you get there, the whole experience of going to a bar is the drinks are the conduit for the rest of the experience, which is interacting, engaging with the uh, bartender, engaging with the people around you. Just uh, taking a look and absorbing all of that atmosphere, especially if you're going in for craft cocktails, because you don't necessarily have the hooligans running around trying to get vodka sodas or, you know, people uh, getting up in each other's business and that kind of uh, rowdy college stuff that you might see at a college bar or beer bar. Um, so that was very relieving to see just how f- comforting it felt to go back in. And really, I snapped right back into it. Now, as uh, far as Orange County goes, um, you know, it's really surreal because uh, a couple months ago, I went to uh, Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and it was like uh, just more vibrant than Orange County. Just a lot of just high energy. So I think uh, locally in Orange County, I think people are a little slow to get back into the game uh, the way it was. Uh, but then again, you know, Orange County does move at a slower pace anyway. True. So I, I want to get the perspective um, from both of you regarding that kind of crowd in Orange County that you mentioned, uh, Rich. You know, it. There is a bit of a slower pace, but I think for anybody that has been out on a Sunday or, you know, a Saturday night or even a Friday night, there are certain places that are unremarkably unstoppable. Um, I've had a Sunday or two up at Lido House, you know, over at Kelly's and Placentia Dive Bar over there, which is a great uh, person that I had on the show a couple episodes now, but you can go listen to that one. There's definitely the people that are willing to go out. There are the bar crowds that are coming back. There's the day drinking crowds, you know, the Rombauer housewife crowds, as, as friends mm-hmm. like to describe things like that. I'd, I'd be interested to get both of your perspectives on what the crowds themselves have been like. How are people that you've either been into, in your case, out drinking rich, or in your case, Raven, that you're serving? Well, it depends because I think that some of the, your divey dive bars, and we probably know what they are, who they are by name, without mentioning names. For liability's sake. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Nobody's sponsoring the show. Right. It's fine. <clears throat> but yeah, I I kind of think that uh, a lot of those had backdoor policies during the pandemic. So a lot of your old school day drinkers and your curmudgeons probably didn't stop going there. Um, as far as behaviors go, and this is very interesting because I just did an article a couple months ago for uh, um, liquor.com about uh, people returning to the bars. Uh, and the weird thing is, is that the younger crowds, the 21-year-olds that turned 21 during the pandemic, are actually winding up being better behaved than your 20, 30-year veteran bar goers. Um, you know, you have a lot of uh, bar top slappers is what they're called. You know, and you know exactly what that term yep. means if you've ever been to a bar. And uh, they're back, but, you know, you have these young drinkers that are coming in, they want to learn about the craft. They are very limiting in what, how many drinks they have, they want to order and they just want to absorb, you know, and they have questions and it's really kind of uh, fascinating to see that dynamic uh, play out as bars start to open up uh, more freely. Uh, Raven, for your kind of the sight and the sounds that you see, it's safe to say that the restaurant that you're at now is a little bit of a quieter pace. The hotel is newer. Uh, most people are just getting their first media articles about it. I think Modern Luxury just did theirs about two months ago, give or take. You guys are very new on the map, and it's not really one of those kind of established 
places to go drink yet. What are you seeing? Because A, you're getting hotel guests, which is something that, especially here in California, the way that we lock down on COVID is something new in general to have people back traveling for hotels. But also, what is your crowd like and what are you seeing from drinkers? Well, okay, like this question actually brings up things that actually, when I first moved out here, the goal was I worked at a hotel, the concept that I opened, YNK, like it was to generate horizontal traffic as opposed to vertical traffic in a hotel. So you want the locals there. What we found at In at the Mission is that we're getting a lot of locals. We're getting a lot of staycations. Like, so it's all local people, but they're like, we've been watching this be built for years. Now it's beautiful. Like, they did such a good job. Like, it's not like just some boxy hotel that everybody assumed it was going to be. They did it. They made sure they paid homage to the city, to the town, to the history of it, of all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, so the people that we're getting are amazing. Like they're, they're just happy to be out. They're happy to have something new in this quaint, beautiful little town. So that's probably my favorite part. Like the fact that everybody's local for the most part, like, yeah, we get people that come in for weddings and things like that, but everybody is super excited just to have something new and have new experiences. And that's where I come in. (laughs) Rich, you, you specialize kind of like a lot of my passion does in the craft side of things. Ravin, a lot of your drinks, historically speaking, are from the craft side of things. Uh, You know, your smoked old fashioned really put Orange County on the map when that kind of quote unquote trend was really going. You were one of the first people to do it in a very elegant way. What are people drinking now that they're back? And then again, Rich, same thing to you afterwards. You know, what are you seeing as far as kind of like trends go right now? It really depends on uh, who you talk to. I know there's a lot of people that just snap back into what they were drinking. Uh, for the bartender side, though, what I've talked to uh, bartenders, they are taking this opportunity to kind of dial things back a little bit. Uh, a lot of uh, bartenders have thought, okay, the drinks are getting a little too austere. Uh, we need to uh, you know, not necessarily make some fancy drink with 17 cocktails. Let's go back to uh, the days of uh, Sasha Petrosky and uh, Milk and Honey and all that. Uh, you know, with the Groff and Jerry Thomas um, and uh, just kind of like build uh, cocktails and new uh, variations uh, based on that and not necessarily get it to where it's just too bombastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like uh, drinkers go, um, again, just uh, the, the younger crowd really wants to dive into the craft and really wants to learn and really wants to be educated uh, which is uh, pretty refreshing. Um, I was talking to a guy, uh, another bartender up in Sacramento, and he had mentioned how uh, he had this kid that was about 20 years old ask him for a bar, uh, a bar job. And he's like, well, why? What, what do you want? You're, you know, you're not 21 yet. And he goes, well, during the pandemic, I set up my own bar in my uh, uh, backyard and was serving in my bubble and making drinks. And so he's like, That's oh, awesome. my gosh, you're not even 21 yet, and you're already, like, trying to figure out the craft. So I, that's really cool. To that point, I actually had an Uber driver the other day that, during the pandemic, started doing home private bartending, and he had never bartended in his life. And just wanted to pick it up just so for the hell of it. So he picked it up, and he does private bartending. So now we're, like, Instagram. I was like, dude, follow my Instagram. Like, I have all kinds of videos and stuff like that, like, explaining you know, my thought processes, how I go about doing everything I do, everything mm-hmm. I've learned, whatever. Um, and so now we're friends. He hits me up with, and whenever he has a question, whenever he has like any kind of inquiry about the bar world, he's like, you know, if I want to create a cocktail or do this, like, and he hits me up. 
you, Raven, you mentioned that you also do consulting. Um, like the restaurant industry, I should say, the cooking side of things, although it hasn't seemed to have been hit as hard, all restaurants, all bars are hiring. Nobody can find chefs. Yep. A lot of people can't find bartenders. Exactly. <laughs> when you talk about consulting and things like that and you're going off somewhere else to work on a bar program, is there any kind of hesitation to do those things nowadays knowing that you're probably dealing with people that are very, very green if they are there at all? I mean, what do you see, I guess from the, the what I'm trying to ask is what from the hiring standpoint do you see as doing something that could kind of help as far as offering education to people that may not be new and they might be scared to get in on a Saturday service? Well, actually, all right. So to be honest about this, like one of the things that was brought to light to me and actually by Rich was that the people that are sticking around are actually involved. Like they want to be a part of this industry. Like everybody that had one foot out the door, they're the ones that left, they changed careers, whatever. Um, but what I love is that the people that are still left actually care. It's just, it just sucks that like they're getting overworked. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified that people are going to leave the industry just because they're overworked, even though they're passionate about it. So what we have left is the passionate people. And then, Hopefully we can get a lot more of them to have the same type of mindset where it's like, you know, we're training. Like, you know, if there's green people coming in, then let's train them because they actually want to learn. Like, mm -hmm. that's the best part of it. Like, if they're, if they're brand new, they've never done it. And like, like you said, like they want to come in and learn this. Teach them. That's the problem. It's like it's hard to find good teachers. It, is that something where somebody would have to bring in someone of your services to help teach because you mentioned people are overwhelmed and I've been out a lot since things Absolutely. have reopened. Everybody looks overwhelmed. I don't know if people have the time to teach right now. And I know it's a cynical outlook, but I, I'm worried that people don't have the time. What would you say to those folks that may say, we can't teach somebody new, we're too overworked right now? What would your counter argument be? What is your business worth to you? Like, what is your business worth to you? Like, you have to invest in... And rather, you know, I'm not necessarily saying me, like you don't have to invest in me, but you need to invest in the training of your staff. Mm -hmm. Like you want to make sure they have the best knowledge, they have the best, you know, they have all the tools they need and everything like that. So it's like you have to spend the money to make the money. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Rich, any thoughts from your side of the bar on things? Uh, just pretty much what... Um Ravin was echoing um, as far as just taking the time and uh, just some of the people that I've talked to in the industry, uh, the ones that really care, the ones that really are the movers and shakers, the ones that are top tier, they're the ones that are investing and they're actually recognizing the talent that they have and really putting them in charge of uh, training that next generation, up training them. Um, one thing... What, Excuse me. One thing that I have noticed um, is a lot of these young people that are coming in that are new and they're green, um, they're the ones that are also eager and they really want to learn. And so it's not necessarily the people that are coming into the uh, bar industry that are new um, are not just necessarily doing that because they need a job. They do that because, again, they love that craft. It would kind of be like if you or I were, you know, just uh, young and looking to find a path through life, going into the bar and say, teach me, teach me everything you know. You could have just said younger, but yeah, young, that's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Younger. <laughs> well, I'm glad you both kind of gave those answers the way well, that you did because I kind of mentioned, oh, no, go ahead, please. So, so, but in that sense, like, 
a lot of them are fascinated by the dream of it. Like, like I'm, I'm older. <laughs> that is <laughs> old as me. I call myself out, but you know, I was a kid when Cocktail came out with Tom Cruise. Like, I was like, that's the life. Like, and then co- like I realized as I got older, I pretty much lived that life. <laughs> like, granted, I didn't go bartend on an island, but yeah. I pretty much lived that life where it's like, you know, I learned, I went through my Fridays days. Like I, I did three years at Fridays. Like, and that was the first best experience I got because it was high volume. It was accurate. It was consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, I came, I come from a consistency background. I came from Florida where everything's like turn and burn, like bang it out, like make it red, make it strong, get it out. Yeah. Like that's it. Like make sure, but make sure it's consistent. That's, and it was all like corporate companies and stuff like that. When I moved out here, I came out to open a new concept and nobody knew what it was going to be, but we were transitioning like from doing different regions for cocktails from every different region, like every six months. Cause we wanted to keep it different and whatever. So I learned with the concept and that's what made me, that's what helped me. That's what yeah. helped me grow because I studied the classics from each region and then I adapted to it and was like, wait, so if I just adjust this one, this one ingredient, this one ingredient, but the main goal is like with these new people, like they, everybody's attracted to the lifestyle, to the, the fact that like, you know, in the bar industry, you can make amazing money. But mm-hmm. it's a matter of whether you want to work at a high volume turn and burn place, like a nightclub or something like that, where you don't have to interact, where you don't have to really think or anything. You just make the drinks that are on the menu. Yep. Or if you want to be a craftsman and you want to actually create and create an experience for people that's more than the DJ. Yeah. Although we should mention whichever route you choose, go work hard and make your money. Because exactly. there's, no, there's no, I mean, I have friends and like we all have friends that have worked in those high volume, you know, kind of club or energy environments. Uh-huh. And if you can do that, man, Godspeed. I've that, done that, it. That looks, I yeah, will that's never go back to it because <laughs> part of my soul is missing. But yeah. <laughs> oh, well, totally. Yeah. I'm, and kind of like I said, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode because we're going to, and I hate to use the goddamn word of 2020, but we're going to pivot a little bit. One of the things about everybody getting into the bar scene, whether they're new or they're coming back, is that there's better, never been a better time due to all the educational materials that are out there, whether it's oh, video, absolutely. podcasts, books, YouTube videos, tutorials. I mean, there's a million and one things for people to just teach themselves and learn. Now, ultimately you need to get behind the bar and you need to actually do it. But for anybody that's interested in it, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, And one of the reasons that I was so excited to get you guys on the podcast at the same time is you guys have been mulling around with the idea to do a podcast and we're kind enough to bring me in on it. Now I should preface right off the bat, I do not we this is still kind of in development there's a lot of things turning i don't know if this is going to be best seats backed or if this will be a separate project etc so i want to preface with that but will you guys take a couple of minutes and kind of from your perspective talk about how this new project is coming to be and kind of i guess from obviously it hasn't premiered yet depending on when you're listening to this episode it may be out it may not um but it's obviously still at the time of this recording in conception pretty close to recording by the time we're doing this one, but will you guys kind of give a little bit of background on where this new project, this new podcast kind of came from? Sure. I, I think uh, Ravin and I were talking um, a few, several months ago about uh, the, the bar from each other's perspective. From my perspective as a bar patron, I really love being able to sit at a bar and be able to 
talk to somebody on my left or my right that understands the craft and understands the importance of looking at a bottle that you may not recognize and asking the bartender, what is that? Or just really kind of like sitting there and wanting to learn from the bartender about you know, the history of the Vukare or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one thing I really wanted to uh, really uh, share because I'm very passionate about that as a drinker. I don't go to a bar to get wasted. I don't go to a bar uh, because I want to uh, load up on, you know, classic drinks that I, that I know that I can make at home. I want that experience. I want that engagement. I want the interaction and the interaction when it's hitting on all cylinders isn't just between me and the bartender. It's, it's coming from all sides, even like, you know, checking in and talking to the bar back as they pass by, you know, those kind of things. That's what that means. And then when I was talking to Ravin, um, he was pretty much sharing a lot of the same things that I was sharing, but from the bartender's uh, perspective. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, and I think what comes into play too is just the way we met. Like you were the first person to come in. Like the way I met you was you came in to do an article on the place I, I opened. That's right. Yeah. So long story short, this is what, 2016, I think now? Yeah. Yeah, 2016. Uh, Raven had just opened YNK and I was assigned to do a, um, article about it for a tasting panel, which is a, a trade beer, wine and spirits uh, publication. And, um, so we go into this place and this place is probably the size of a, just a little bit larger than a broom closet mm-hmm. and, uh, 17 seats, like it was a, tiny. an eclectic living room. Yep. Yeah. With the couches and all this. And it was decorated with some, uh, and you were the only person in there that night. Like at that's that right. time when you came in, you were the only person in there, so it was that's perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's no escaping at this point. Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah, I gotta talk to him. Yeah, I yeah, like, well. came in at about four o'clock, I think, and uh, you know, it was just this had this kind of New Orleans Cajun, uh, Cajun kind of vibe because I found out later that that was the uh, theme of the menu of that rotating menu that they were doing was a New Orleans theme, and literally had a live feed of Bourbon Square like on the massive tvs on both sides of the room yeah both walls. And so i walked in i'm like it was awesome. what kind of sorcery is this this like, is a live. this is a hotel not only was it a hotel it was a hotel in irvine and a marriott which, which yeah. is unheard of and we should yeah. mention by the way for anybody listening who doesn't know about ynk going kind of back in time this was unheard of that anything like this would pop up in i mean orange county this was a rarity let alone Irvine, yeah. which yeah. is which is the yeah. which is, if beige was a city, it would be Irvine. Yeah, its middle name is sterile. So, yeah, yeah, it has hours. Right. No offense to anybody sign. that's listening in Irvine, but yeah. you know where you live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, we know that you go outside of Irvine to be entertained. <laughs> but, so, Riven, so. from your perspective, how did this entire kind of was it just the same thing? Just kind of because what you guys, what it sounds like it ultimately was is talking about the feeling that you get at a bar. It's not the exact experience of a drink. It's not the exact interaction. Those things all contribute to it. But you're talking about that wonderful, innate smile that people get when they're at a bar, whether it's kind of that romantic influence. It could be a dive bar craft cocktail. I think a lot of people get it from different venues. But obviously, this is kind of leaning more towards that where you're taking the time to interact with each other and some of those, all those different feelings and things that go into it. Well, the thing about that is, is when I interviewed him the first time, um, I said, make me a cocktail. Cause he offered is like, Hey, do you want a cocktail? I'm like, hey, make me what you want. And he came out of the uh, gate with both guns blazing. He made me a Ramos gin fizz, which is a very time intensive, uh, gin based drink. 
uh, that you know you don't order at a bar if there's three deep. You just don't do that. You no, that's a oh, that, that's yeah. a twelve minute drink. That is a, yeah. Even a bar that with a, just one full wrap, like no, don't yeah. order that. <laughs> that is a big f you to the bartender. So he comes out and makes this, and it winds up being the best Ramos I've still ever had. And um, from there, it was just an instant connection, and it was all because of this cocktail, which in the bar scene, from a bar patron's perspective, is the conduit to everything else in that experience. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, I would say, like, knowing about two months before I moved to California from Florida, I went to New Orleans for a work thing for my previous job. And it was awesome because I got to meet up with a friend that showed me around and actually showed me New Orleans. So I experienced every cocktail that was on my menu at the place that it was created at. That's so huge. I got, I got to I got to hear the stories from the bartenders that have been there for years that, it, like... They were telling me about bullet holes in the wall at the Sazerac bar in the Roosevelt Hotel. Like, it was amazing. It was the best experience I could have ever had. I had my first Sazerac and my first Ramos Gin Fizz in New Orleans right before I moved out here in 2016. Well, and I want to mention it because I know that this podcast talks about kind of all aspects of the hospitality industry. New Orleans is basically the birthplace of American cocktails and American cocktail culture, really. Right. I mean, it's, it's ground zero mm-hmm. for the majority of the delicious things that we imbibe on today. Absolutely. Like, I still refer to New Orleans for pretty much everything like yeah most all my favorites are from new orleans <laughs> so sitting around reminiscing about friendship and ramos is you guys decide to kind of come up with this podcast you start rattling off you know show ideas things like that what's what's the goal for the show going to be to share our passion with others uh from my perspective as a uh, uh bar goer bar hopper bar crawler whatever you want to call me and then from Ravin's perspective from a bar as a bartender because both places meet at the same intersection of passion, but that we just take different streets to get there. And from what, from what I've noticed is my guests, people that come to see me, people that I get into conversations with, like just like Rich, like exactly how we met, like from opposite ends of the bar. But people want to know now. It's, it's, more about, it's not about just putting a drink in front of somebody. Mm-hmm. It's about... And experience. It's about learning something. People want to go back to their friends and go, I know this and I've known it forever. <laughs> like it's that kind of mentality. Yeah. It's like, you know, you can Google anything, you can do whatever. Like in this new day and age, people are way more knowledgeable. So they know what's available. However, honestly speaking, what's made my reputation is showing them what they didn't even know they could have. Yeah. Like, because everybody's so trained by bartenders that just do what they're told by the corporate company or whatever. Like, oh, just make this drink. Just make this drink. Don't veer outside of the lines. So it's not an industry-specific podcast. It's not a consumer-specific podcast. Right. It's basically anybody, hey, if you enjoy drinking even a little exactly. bit, you, if you can enjoy get the culture. out of this. Yeah, yeah. if you enjoy Absolutely. the culture, then here, like, we're, like, I'm happy to give it to you. Now, it, as I mentioned, this is still kind of conceptual. Um, you guys were kind enough to bring me in on this project as well, and we haven't recorded yet. Again, depending on when you're hearing this episode, they may have. Um, it, are you looking for topical conversations? Are these going to be more evergreen things where you're talking about kind of specific topics? I mean, wh- what's the envisioning kind of per episode? The fun thing about this podcast is that there's so much evergreen content out there that we can absolutely just dive into it because we want this to be, you know, and I hesitate to use this word because it does sound kind of uh, boring, but uh, 
educational in a way because I think there's so much uh, ground to be covered in even the basics. Um, you know, and I mean, there's other great podcasts out there that really do a great job of uh, covering the state of the industry and talking to uh, industry. I mean, I think you and I, Crawford, listened to the Speakeasy podcast mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, Southern Teaks podcast, which is absolutely uh, brilliant. Uh, and that keeps you informed on what's happening. Uh, but we're taking a different tack in the sense that there's so much out there. You know, you have to learn about the foundation to fully appreciate what else is going on. So we want to lay that foundation. Well, I think if anybody takes anything away from this uh, episode of, of you know, my own podcast, it's going to be that you guys have done a great job relaying how valuable the relationship is between bartender and bar patron. And there's really something there. I mean, that's it's borderline, you know, you have less of a relationship with a priest sometimes. I mean, that is, you know, a great relationship with a bartender is equal parts therapist, equal parts, you know, steel trap of information, life coach, you know, and when you have good bar patrons, I think it kind of gives the opposite where you get to a sense of relief. You know, man, I, you know, there's no variables. There's no, I, you know, when you get a stranger, you don't know what they're going to do. You don't want to, if they're going to be mean, rude, nice, wild, you know, hammered, you have no idea, you know, maybe they could have come from another bar and you just get the remnants of them. But when you get a regular and a friend, then you get consistency and you get conversation. But I mean, also even with strangers, like, you know, yeah, right off the bat, based on how they approach you or how, like when you approach them, how they react. But you'd also agree that when you get kind of that conversation with a regular, and it helps with strangers too, but with a regular, then it's a different Well, all right. And so, and like one of the topics that we're even going to discuss in our podcast is, you know, that relationship and how to build that relationship and like the, the things you say, the, the, the delivery of everything you do, it's like, it all affects the relationship. Like if somebody comes up and like, is, you know, like Rich said, slapping the bar or is that what you said? Yeah. Bar top slapper. Bar top slapper. uh, Or, or waving like a hundred dollar bill. It's like, cool. You have money. Good. Great job, bro. Yeah. Like I always love that. The post, but the post when you nut, when you approach us hole. like that, like bartenders just in general and people in life, like no matter what job you're at, if somebody did that to you, it's like, dude, like seriously, like why would you condescend me like that? Like mm-hmm. like as long as I make an eye contact with you, you know that I know you're there. Yeah. And that's it. And and I want to say, I know we haven't said the name of it yet. That's because it's still being finalized. Um and all the details obviously will come out on everybody's social media when and if, or when that does go live. Um, and I can always add in something on the back end of this episode too. So there may be a cutaway that I can put into this episode later. So don't worry about that. Don't worry about the name yet. As far as... Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. If you listen to the best seats at all, or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. A mass botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate 
by going to amass.com and using the discount code, the best seats 15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code thebestseats15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloompotager.com. The last year provided so many challenges for restaurant owners. Now that they're finally getting a chance to open their doors again to the public, it can only be an exciting thing. However, some of those challenges still remain like hiring new staff after having to let go of them for almost an entire year. That's where Hire Lilo comes in. Custom built from the ground up by hospitality professionals, Hire Lilo is your destination for restaurant hiring. Applicants can create resumes on the site, set up meetings, use the virtual messaging system to communicate with potential hirees, and more. Restaurants also have a multitude of options to choose from, including selecting mandatory shifts for specific positions, and more. The website is easy to use and is a perfect build-out for the hospitality industry. None of the other fancy stuff are trying to compete with every other industry on the planet for new hires. As I said, it is hospitality-specific, making it your destination for hiring. Using the promo code STAYSTRONG, all one word, you can create a free job posting today and start to fill those hiring voids. Hire Lilo provides on-site help. They'll sit down and make sure that your restaurant is set up and properly ready to go, and that you can utilize all the features Hire Lilo offers. To learn more or to create an account and get job posting now, go to HireLilo.com. That's H-I-R-E-L-I-L-O.com. Once again, that's HireLilo.com. Name yet. As far as, so it's, it's something for everybody. Exactly. Which is yeah. huge. And why now do you think it's the best time to do it? Kind of Everybody on, on the, loves it. Like creating, yep. my job right now is creating the experience for people like, and I discovered that by working in a tiny room where I could listen to everyone. I could literally hear every conversation going on in the room. That's what developed me. So I learned like I can give great service just by listening to the room, listening to everybody that I can hear around me. I can learn. And I, people thought I was a mind reader because they didn't realize I can actually hear them. Yeah. It's that simple. Like, but as a hospitality industry person, you have to pay attention and actually care. That's all it takes is just actually caring, not just showing up for a paycheck. 
like not just showing up for your tips and walking out. Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, a lot of these young kids are like, Oh, I want to do that. Like I can do that. Like, and then they want to go and create a 17 ingredient cocktail. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, dude, calm down. Like, come on, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Like, cool. Like, you know, go enter cocktail competitions, but that's not for the workplace. Yeah. What are some of the other aspects about, the show that I may have not touched on yet or, or overlooked that have you both excited for it? Well, I think part of the excitement comes from the fact that I am old enough to remember what cocktails were like in the days before people like uh, Petrosky and Milk and Honey and Audrey Saunders and Pegu Club and New York and all that stuff. And R.I.P. to Pegu re- Club. Before the resurgence oh, yeah, of craft. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, being, you know, in my 20s in the 1990s, uh, yeah, you could do the math to let you know how old I am. Um, it was all apple teenies and just gorilla farts and all these horrible drinks that, in retrospect, looked like a dare. But now I look to see, it's like uh, milk and honey is now a drinking age if it was around because mm-hmm. it opened yeah. up New Year's Eve 1999 and that's kind of like the mother wow. dough of all the craft cocktail uh, approachable cocktail with all due respect to Adele DeGroff and Rainbow Room because he's the one that really started back in the 80s but uh, places like uh, milk and honey in the Lower East Side and all of that really stemmed out to where oh we can drink at the every uh, you know you don't have to go up to a midtown and then about 10, 11 years ago, um, it really started going nationwide. And now you can go to a place like Omaha, Nebraska and get killer cocktails, which is just mind-bending. Yep. And, you know, be living in Orange County for as long as I have, the fact that I can go and have a drink with somebody like Ravin and have the best Raymotion Fizz I've ever had or whatever else he has up his sleeve, this, you know, Cherrywood Smoke Cardamom Old Fashioned, um, that would have been unheard of a decade ago. Yeah. And it's great to be able to have that access. And I want to share how great that is. And really kind of, and in a way, it's really kind of exciting to see how uh, some of the stuff is, uh, you know, some, some of the stuff from the battle old, bad old days is coming back and is actually uh, being filtered through everything that we learned. An example of that is when I was in Charleston, I was at a bar called The Gin Joint, and they actually had a Midori sour, a Midori drink on the menu. It was a riff on an old melon ball. Okay, real quick cutaway. Raven, please explain to the people what bottle of Midori is, because I have my own riff on it, but it's, it's that one bottle that's never been opened on anybody's back bar in a long, long time. <laughs> All right. This is actually the perfect question for me, because... When I was 19, 20, I got my first bar job. Met a girl in my speech class. She was a Hooter girl. Right across the way was a piano bar. She got me a job there. And I was underage. But I probably, we should probably cut that. (laughs) Statute of limitations is probably passed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Statute of limitations. Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, um, I worked there underage, but... So one day, me and my two boys went in, like, when I first got hired there, and we were underage. We ordered Midori Sours. The bartender at the time 
I won't say his name just because I don't know if he'd be cool with it. But <laughs> he made us the Midori Sours happily. He happily made them for us. And then as we took our first sip, all three of us ordering Midori Sours, he decided to go ahead and verbally berate us. So since that day, I never drank Midori. And I switched right away to rum. I'm like, all right, rum and Coke, Captain and Coke, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. But yeah, I'm like, okay, never ordered. Because we were all like stupid and young kids. And we were like, oh, this is sweet and delicious. Like, and we're getting drunk. <laughs> so what's your take, Crawford? I, on Midori? Yeah. That the fact that you ordered a Midori sour when you were underage is pretty amazing. Because I think most people, when they think about their underage days or their, you know, depending on what state your fake ID was from days. Yeah. What age I never had there. a fake ID either. Like I just, well, apparently you didn't need it. Yeah. I just, I <laughs> didn't know. It was like vodka and I Gatorade. I used to literally show people my ID at different clubs I went to in Orlando. <laughs> I think, yeah. You Which, were Florida. So hashtag I think that, Florida, man. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. No one's definitely, yeah. The statute yeah. of limitations is but definitely But I, I would literally show them my ID and because of the way I carried myself, because of the way I acted, like I, I think I was always meant for this industry. Like I just, I honestly believe that in my soul. Like I was meant to do this, but. So yeah, something like, that now got him berated for ordering at a Florida bar, you go to, you said Charleston. Charleston, and the gin joint. Now it's on the menu. On the menu. And I had two of them. Because so they were so mind-blowingly great. Uh, and as a bartender in Florida that just shot himself, thinking he's like, no. I no, no. I like, as a bartender and then this. him as a guest, like that's the best thing ever, though, because yeah. Yeah. we're both on the same page as far as like, if I order a specialty drink from your menu, if I order more than one, you fucking nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I, I, the description was, welcome back to the uh, days of uh, the disco bar. <laughs> which riffs on the uh, famous, the infamous New York Times uh, thing about uh, uh, them calling the Midori drink, the Midori sour, like the worst disco drink ever. So uh, it was just kind of all there, just that history, that riff, that that whimsy, and just a killer drink that I had multiple times. Multiple times. That's great. Yeah. So. Bringing this all back around to the new podcast that, that you guys are launching and, and being kind enough to bring me on as well. This is basically going to be kind of tackling this culture and all the aspects that go into it from all angles. All Literally angles. every yeah. angle. Like yep. we, we started out with like 25 topics and then like I'm literally looking at a list here. We have we have a solid over 50 topics like because we just realized how much actually goes into this like and from my perspective personally as a bartender like just the more we started talking about it the more i realized i know like i've always been that guy that like i love training i love teaching people but i didn't even discover that till i started teaching people because they would ask me questions and then i'd like black out like in freaking old school when he's like what happened i blacked out <laughs> like that's basically my life like i'm just like oh i didn't realize i knew that but the knowledge and everything like that from my perspective and then he's got the exact other side perspective which is in the best way possible like i love working with rich yeah i love working with revenge just because yeah i know that if i have a question i can ask this guy and he'll know it yeah and if he doesn't know it, he'll actually take the time to research it. And then between the three of us, obviously, like like when we started talking about it, like we're over 50 topics and and we can literally like they're very specific topics, but we can talk in detail greatly. Like we can go on probably too long about every single one of them. Yeah. Well, that's great. 
and, and the, but that's what makes it hard for like new bartenders it's like how do you train that much knowledge into a brand new bartender well, and that's so my much, goal <laughs> yeah, there's so much information out there in the world whether it's you know cooking and bartending and when you're trying to be a fan of all these things it's damn near impossible you're never going to retain it all but i think yeah. if you can retain at least and pick up on some of the emotional traits of it and what something may mean to somebody or what type of drink gives somebody a, a certain emotional trigger or something I like that. I love that you said that because that's pretty much what made me grow or helped me grow was figuring out the emotional part of it is like just watching people, watching people's reactions to your cocktails and whatever. Like that's what helped me learn and start understanding in a better way. Yeah. And that's what made my reputation like just by paying attention, mm-hmm. caring. It's like and when I'm at work, that's what I'm doing. And, you know, like you said, you know, there's so much to learn out there and you might not forget it, but, or you may forget it. But the fun thing is, is that you're going to want to go back. And if you say, oh, I don't remember this, but I remember having this, but I don't remember the details. If you're passionate enough, you're going to go and seek out those details again. You're going to yeah. go back and ask your bartender uh, friend, okay, what was the name of that spirit that you poured me? What was the name of that company? You know, and all that. Or what was the drink in that? How do you make this? Um, you know, so you, there is a constant reservoir of knowledge and information that you can sit at a bar stool and absorb. And it's a mobile classroom because if you find good bartenders in a city, you're going to go back to those bartenders and you're going to absorb and you're going to learn and you're going to just, just kind of sit at the, you know, sit at the feet of, you know, these gurus that know this industry so well and they will reciprocate that same passion your way because they'll understand that you want to learn and they will zero in on you and appreciate you because you're not the 22-year-old with the board shorts and the flip-flops ordering a vodka soda. Yeah. So that's very yeah. true. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, um, like that's one of the things that kind of helped me get my reputation out here was the fact that like people would come into that first concept I opened mm-hmm. and um, like, you know, some of my best friends to this day now I've like, I've met all at that very first concept when I first moved from Orlando to California on my own, like didn't know anybody. But what made my reputation was the fact that like I was learning as I was going, I was literally learning as I was going. But then when anybody would come in and ask me a question or anything, I was an open book. I will tell you, I will tell you exactly what I did to make this cocktail, exactly what I had to learn to do it. And then what I learned from doing it and how I was able to improve it. Like I was an open book. So people would come in and just ask me questions. And that's what built my reputation. Like bartenders started like hearing about me. They're like, they're like, all right. So then they would come in and be like, Hey, like, how'd you do this? What'd you do this? I'm like, dude, this, 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 this. Now this podcast, this people, anybody listening right now to best seats podcast, this is obviously Orange County based, Southern California and beyond as people know each and every episode. The new podcast and new project that the three of us are launching while, again, we're recording this at Ravens Place in Costa Mesa. Rich, you're in Orange County. I'm in Orange County, obviously, for anybody that knows this show. This is not, while it's going to be evergreen topics, this is not going to be regionality locked. This is not just going to no, be Orange County. So I don't for think anybody anything about, curious about it. About that, yeah. I don't think anything about it is regional. It's like, literally, this is universal. Mm-hmm. Like what I've learned is universal as long as you care and you like, and I'm 
happy to share it. Like, yeah. I'm so excited to share it. I just wanted to diffuse anybody's assumptions yeah. that it might just be, yeah, oh, no, it's only it's gonna be Orange County Board. No, 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 no. It'll, be, it'll be evergreen topics focused it's about, on the it's industry It's about the whole. industry. Yeah, yeah. The and industry is universal. Sorry. That's what makes it exciting, though, because uh, there's so much out there, and I really hope that as a uh, as a uh, bar customer, I hope that this inspires people to actually incorporate going to a craft cocktail bar or two into their vacation plans. Yeah, that they don't just just think of it as an afterthought, because you can actually go into a city and find great uh, cocktails anywhere you go. And I really want to uh, just kind of bring that to the table and just yeah. inspire that. And that's why, yeah, it is nationwide because the topics that we're going to be talking about, you know, are as relevant in Orange County, LA, San Diego, as they are in Chicago, Seattle. And probably even uh, internationally to some respect. Literally yeah, one of our yeah. first topic, literally one of our first topics is go to a new city. How do you figure out where the places are to go? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. how you talk to the bartender. You talk to the bartender, like never go, go to the concierge, whatever. Like they don't know crap. Like you go to the bartender, you go to the local bartender, and then you go, "Where do you go?" Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, and that could be you, anywhere. But you can't sit there and like bark an order at them, no, and then expect to get a good answer from yeah. them. Like you go there and go, yeah, uh, you I, order something, you order something off the specialty not, menu, not you order one sour. of their drinks. Yeah. Like you don't just you don't just bark orders and whatever and expect them to tell you stuff. You literally like build a relationship, like, and it doesn't take that long. Yeah. Like bartenders, good bartenders, we're supposed to build a relationship within two minutes at mm-hmm. most. Like usually it's like 30 seconds. Yeah, it can happen pretty quick. You got to you gotta find a way. Like You don't need to go climb the Eiffel Tower. You need to go to Little Red Door. Yeah. You just yeah, find these places and go to these places. Yeah. Yep. Like go here, here, right. here. See this person, this person, this person. Yeah. Well, fellas, we don't have too much more time on this particular podcast. Obviously, for anybody listening, when and if, uh, depending on when other details get finalized, I will record a um, interject that will come just before the outro, um, right after I wrap up with these guys. So do stick around for any other details that we need to put in regarding that. Um, In the meantime, though, if that's not in there, you'll be able to find all the details across social media. You'll be able to find them on mine at the best seats and the best But for rich and Raven, if people want to find you guys on social media, reach out even before the show, if they just have any general questions before the new podcast does premiere and all the details get finalized, where can people find you guys at? Uh, I am at R a V as in Victor. I N is in Nancy. Uh, and the number one Raven one, and also Raven about cocktails. So spelled the same way, but about cocktails, all one word. You can find me on Instagram at rich underscore Manning, M-A-N-N-I-N-G, like the quarterback, uh, 2.0. And it has to be 2.0 because long story short, I got hacked. Good times. So there you go. And I post like. Was she cute? Every so often. <laughs> <laughs> My wife might be listening, Ruben. Her stage name was Sorry, Heather. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Hotcakes. <laughs> and obviously, as always, everybody's details and links will be in the show notes afterwards. So click through wherever you're listening to it, and you could be able to find these guys right away. Gentlemen, I can't wait to get the new show rolling. I hope everybody listening is just as excited to listen to it as we are to record it. And I am super appreciative of the time. I'm glad that the bar is back working. Rich, I'm glad that you are back busy. And I'm glad that everybody listening to this pokey little show is continuing to do so. So, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you to Rich and Ravin for taking the time. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Obviously, we have a good time when we do anything, and it was great to get together with these guys, A, to get them on the podcast, but also to share with all of you about the new podcast. And again, details will be coming out. It's getting very close to sitting down and recording and getting launched soon. There's a lot of great topics. I promise not all of them will be about Midori, as you heard in the podcast, but there's a lot of great stuff on the horizon. It's a very, very exciting thing. So thank you to all of you for listening. Thanks to Rich and Ravin one more time. Make sure to go follow them on social media. You can also check out mine at The Best Seats for all the updates on the upcoming show, as well as other shows that are upcoming on my own channel. Thank you to the advertisers for the show, to everybody that supports on Patreon.com over at The Best Seats. Could not do this without you. And even if you're listening over on free feeds, I appreciate you very, very much. Stay safe out there. Stay off Yelp. Have a great time. Don't forget to tip your bartenders. And I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito Norito, Jay Baker, Sarah Hines. Thank you for your support.